Alrighty, so what is up everybody? Welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast. Um, my name is Nick Griffin. I'm the lead pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, our Deep Dive Podcasts are usually an opportunity where we dive deep in the topics that we've been covering in our Sunday services. But over these last few weeks, we've been kind of taking an opportunity to do a different kind of deep dive, which is we have been doing a deep dive on people's stories. A lot of people that have been involved here at uh, Wayfarers. And today we've got a a really exciting one, one that I've been particularly very excited about. (laughs) And so we've got Ashley Wakefield here with us today. Hey. And just to make sure all the introductions are out of the way, I also got our teaching pastor, Noah Randolph, over here as well. Hey! If you're watching the the video feed of this, you see Noah's got the headphones on and a million cables around him, but he's 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 pulling double duty for us, mm-hmm. producing and helping to host a little bit today. Uh, Jacob Dooley, who is usually on this podcast with us, is out of town at the moment, so um, it's just the three of us. But I figured, uh, you know, it's still gonna be a good time. I feel like mm-hmm. we're gonna be able to dive into your story a little bit. So um, we heard the short version of it there mm-hmm. at the beginning before we got started, Ashley. Um, I guess. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask about Mm -hmm. was just right there at the beginning, you said you grew up, um, with parents who were, uh, who were believers who were saved, Mm -hmm. but weren't involved in church. Um, kind of help flesh that out for us a little bit. What was that upbringing? Like, what was that experience? Like, um, you guys didn't attend church regularly, I'm guessing. No, not regularly. So my first memory of really attending church was after we had moved to Memphis, because my family, um, well, I, me and my brother were born in Ponca City, Oklahoma, you know, way back in the day. Okay. And um, we ended up moving back to Memphis um, to be with our family. And we were actually living with my grandmother until we got our own house. And so my grandmother, who was very much a church goer, she was very ho- um, heavily involved in church. Like she hmm. played in or- the organ at the church and everything. Oh, yeah. And so she took me and my brother to church one night. And we had saw this woman who was basically praise dancing. Like she was like filled up with the Holy Spirit, like Mm -hmm. jumping, shouting, doing the whole thing. And my brother and I thought that was completely hilarious. Like we (laughs) thought it was the funniest thing. How old were y'all then? I was probably four. My brother was probably five because he's like a few, because he's um, like a year and four months older than me. Yeah. And so we were just cracking up laughing. We could not wait to go back home and tell my dad. So we went back home, told my dad, and he was upset. Like he did not think it was funny. He was like, that is not funny. Do not laugh at something like that. And he really Mm -hmm didn't explain why he just said that we weren't supposed to laugh at it and so we really didn't go to church very much that was my first memory of it like sometimes if I, if me and my brother spent the night at like a grandparent's house or something yeah. they may take us and that was pretty much it and even then we didn't do it that often so that was kind of like my earliest memories and of course my dad would sometimes show us movies about God like those old school movies about the Ten Commandments or about the crucifixion yeah. and that was about it like we didn't really go to church very much we didn't pray together as a family we may have prayed you know over meals or something every now and then but we didn't really Interesting. Going to church, you know, so all that kind of stuff. That's a great story just to like, as an, in, as a first experience you had with the church, because mm-hmm. it shows that, you know, your, your dad obviously had a respect mm-hmm. for what was going on in the mm-hmm. church. And so he was upset that you guys thought it was mm-hmm. funny and mm-hmm. were laughing at it or whatever. Um, so he definitely had that respect for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you said, it wasn't a major part of your lives. It's not like y'all went to church. Your grandmother did, but none of y'all did. Didn't pray, didn't anything like that. 
And honestly, when I think about it, maybe my dad was trying to avoid going to church because I know years down the road, my mom had told me that my dad mm-hmm. didn't tell me this, but my mm-hmm. mom informed me that he told her that he felt like he was supposed to be a pastor, which he was mm-hmm. not. He was an accountant. As long as I knew him, he was an accountant. I don't know what he was before then. But mm-hmm. and so I don't know if maybe that was his reason, because I remember after we had actually moved out and got our own house, my grandmother had came to visit us one day after we had been there for a while. And I remember overhearing a conversation that her and my dad were having. And I specifically remember her saying, like, those kids need to be in church. Like you need to take them to church. And I could Mm. tell by my dad's demeanor that he just didn't want to hear it. Like he was just like, why are you telling me this? I don't care. Like, you know, because he wasn't always very good at listening. He was kind of like the I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing, you know, so he nothing changed. Like we still didn't go to church, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, one ear, one in, one in, what's what's the saying? Like goes in one one ear out the other. other. Yeah, so yeah. No, that makes sense. So that is really interesting. So like you think maybe it's a possibility that he felt a little guilty about yeah. maybe rejecting a call he felt on his life. And so yeah. he was just like, no, I'm not stepping close to that church because I don't want to feel that guilt. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And so you didn't uh, grow up going to church. You were vaguely familiar with God and yes. Ten commandments, things like that. Yeah. So it's like I believed in God, even with those little bitty seeds that were planted. In me. I always believed in God, but I just really didn't know a whole lot about God or the Bible. So, and so in your story, you said, uh, when you were about 14, Mm -hmm. you, uh, that's when you got saved. That's when you went to church. Well, tell us that story. How did that come? So when I was 14 years old, my brother was, you know, 15, you know, cause he was a year older. Uh, my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. Hmm. And so, um, that was a really, really, you know, big deal. Cause we didn't expect that to happen. Cause he was a smoker. He smoked a lot. Hmm. And so that more than likely, well, obviously was the thing that caused it. And so, Um, right around that time, that's when I started thinking about my own salvation because I had never gotten saved before. Yeah. And so that was the first time I thought about death because that was the first time that somebody close to me um, was was having sick. to face it. Yeah. yeah, was having to face it, and so I started thinking about my own death. Like, what's going to happen to me when I die? Am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go to hell? And then I was like, maybe I should accept Christ. And that was like the first time I accepted Christ. It was the first time I started reading the Bible. The first time I I fasted because I was fasting on behalf of my father, not so much myself. And I yeah. prayed before, but um, just not all the time it was kind of like a, you know I prayed over meals or sure. I prayed before I went to bed like my grandmother told me but it wasn't like serious prayers that yeah. was the first time so like how did you how did you come to faith if you hadn't really been in church circles like what did you have enough of church how, experience yeah, how did you to, know like, that being saved was an option. And yeah. Because I, I, I guess it was just little stuff that I learned over time. It was kind of like you get told, I guess for me, it was like, I got told the basic stuff mm-hmm. about Christianity, mm-hmm. about, you know, you can either go to heaven, you can go to hell. This is like how you get saved. Now I didn't understand the concepts of grace or mercy or salvation, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'll get into later, but it was like, I knew the basics enough to know that if I accepted Christ, that you know, I would be saved, mm, you know, yeah. now granted, you know, I had some confusion about salvation back then, but it was like, I knew enough to do the basics of it. If it makes any sense. But So was that church that you visited, was that abundant grace at the time or was it a different church? I want to say that it was, I, cause I don't remember cause I was so young and I didn't okay. go very regularly. But the funny thing is, is that after I joined abundant grace as an adult, I had other people tell me that, Oh yeah. Like I knew your grandmother. Like I knew your grandmother when she was here, like she used to play that. And I was like, Oh, you knew oh, okay. my grandmother. I didn't know that. So, and mm. so the thing is that I had, no so I didn't have any recollection of any of my my family members being members of Abundant Grace it Mm -hmm. was just sort of like 
a coincidence. Like I joined the church not knowing that my family had been there. Yeah. And so it was just kind of a coincidence where you could say that it was fate that God led me there because my family had been there. But I mean, that was... But you're not, you, you don't remember particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just some context for um, our viewers and or listeners, because I don't know if we've ever really explained that um, uh, Ashley is a member of a church here in town called Abundant Grace Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Garrett Sales, who's been on our podcast before as well, also a member of that church. Um, I think there's been some confusion because I've even heard some people be like, yeah, Ashley, she she's over at Wayfarers, right? And I'm like, yeah, she's a member at Abundant Grace. <laughs> Me and Noah were just recording some videos one time for Ashley for Abundant Grace. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, man, she's really smart. She's like Aww. an incredible like Bible teacher and so we were like we need to get her on our podcast so um that was that was the uh the the sort of impetus of bringing you on and it's been great to have your opinions throughout so i think that's part of why i was so excited to be able to do the backstory on you a little Mm -hmm. bit because um you know uh our listeners and viewers have talked about how much they've enjoyed your perspective and i know it's helpful sometimes to get that story a little bit so Hmm. so you weren't sure if it was abundant grace that church that you yeah but you think possibly i think it's possible apparently your your grandmother and your family had some connections yeah and then when i went back and talked to my aunt about it because you know my my grandmother has passed away now so i couldn't speak to her about it Mm -hmm. but i know my aunt she was like yeah i remember you know the pastor and he remember she remembers certain people who was there and and all that kind of stuff and i was like oh i was like yeah i just i just joined the church without any knowledge at all that you guys were members there and yeah. and they no longer are they're no longer members there because some of them have moved out of town right. uh, my grandmother passed away you know so right. um, but but you're still there yeah. so do you remember the actual story of that time like like visually do you remember like going into a church did the pastor like give an invitation that you remember walking forward to or was it a prayer you remember praying when you were there um, you know, for my actual, salvation yeah, um, it wasn't at a church because even then I still wasn't a member of one um, okay. I think I probably did it in my bedroom just at home yeah because uh, I was really trying to figure a lot of things out by myself and yeah. that was not the smartest way to go about <laughs> it because I think that's why I said in the video that I pulled away because there's a lot of things about God in the Bible that I didn't fully um, understand like um, I didn't understand concepts of mercy and grace and um, it was kind of the idea of yeah. Like I kept repeatedly asking God to give me my salvation back because I would I kept feeling like God was holding me to a standard of perfection that I couldn't live up to. So every time I would mess up, I would immediately ask God for my salvation back and then mess up again, ask for it back again. And he was really patient for a long time about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I got to a point where I was really convicted. Like um, I had like a moment where Jesus kind of like that point where Jesus rebuked Peter and he was like, get, you know, get behind me, Satan kind of uh-huh. thing. And I was like, I find like I had that kind of like that kind of um that conflict within me like god was like no we're not going to keep doing this and i didn't understand why he was even upset i was just like but i feel like i'm doing the right thing i messed up and i asked for my salvation back and i didn't understand why he was upset and then it was just like this constant feeling of i have to do everything perfect and because i couldn't do everything Mm. perfect i was like okay I can't do this anymore. And not to mention that when I was reading the Bible, I didn't understand it because I was reading the King James Version, which in my personal uh, opinion yeah. is not the best version. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. The so. Bible's hard enough to understand yeah. without 1611 English. So I am curious what, as a new kind of Christian, what were like some of the first things that you felt like you wanted to like address that you felt like you never could like address and be perfect at I guess right. yeah that's like, a good question because like, like obviously you you wanted to you you knew you had to be saved you knew that there was mm-hmm. death that you had to be saved from hell that you had to be saved from mm-hmm. you asked God to save you from that 
but it sounds like your belief at the moment was yeah. like, all right, now that I've asked for that salvation, I got to. I can't yeah. mess up. And if I do, yeah. I'm going to lose it. Yeah. yeah. So what was, yeah. What, um, like it was saying. like several different things and maybe like, prof- like thoughts that I would think like profanity, maybe uh-huh. um, stuff like that, or, oh, I don't know, like anger arguments, things uh-huh. like that. So it was like a lot of things that went on my mind. Um, I don't know, things like that. I guess it was just inward things. Cause I'm a big inward person where I do think a lot and mm-hmm. my thoughts can get very negative. And so I guess it was like the negative thoughts in my mind, um, profanity I would use any, yeah. just any minor things. I was very, mm. very critical of myself over really little things. And I felt like, because I was being critical of myself, that God was doing the same thing. And so it was just sort of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so every time you messed up, yeah, so- you were worried you had, lost that salvation and you needed to ask God yeah. for it back. Mm-hmm. And that went on for several years. It sounds like, you know, well, actually it only went on for a very short amount of time because, okay. um, I think this was shortly after, um, my father had passed away because his cancer actually didn't get better. It actually oh. ended up spreading, you know, it got to his brain and you know, he wow. had to get put on oxygen. And then my mom, they kept trying to resuscitate him, revive him. And my mom had to make the decision to either, keep trying to keep him alive or let him go. And so she just figured it was best to let him go since they were struggling, you know, to do that anyway. Right. And so how old um, were you then? Um, I was 15 at that point. Okay. And so, wow. so it was very aggressive. It sounds like, yeah, it, it was, so it was pretty happened aggressive. quickly. Yeah. So it was like in a year's time, it was just, it came and then he was, he was gone after that. And, um, I know a lot of it, um, I know forgiveness was a really big thing that I was trying to focus on during that time too, because I know that my father being the kind of person that he was, he was very mean, very ill tempered, not even mm-hmm. just because of his sickness even before then. And so that was the first time that I even got into the idea of forgiveness because he was, he could be really, really, um, I don't even know the word, like bullying doesn't even do the, do mm-hmm. it justice, but he was very verbally abusive to me and my brother because he always held us to high standards. Mm-hmm. And if we ever did anything wrong, it was like he would tear us down really, really quickly with his words. Mm-hmm. And so he was pretty verbally abusive with that. Um, he was really harsh with his discipline. Um, yeah. He would like hit us a lot, push us down, like that kind of stuff. He was very, very harsh with his discipline, even over minor things. Yeah. And so, and I kind of look at that as like a reflection of how I saw God because he was my dad and that's what he did. Maybe that's because I saw God as being that kind of father too and so he was just really really mean not a very he was not a good father I did not like him at all I hated Mm -hmm. him for a long time and so that was the first time that I ever got into the concept of forgiveness and so it didn't happen overnight and it it didn't even happen within that year's time like it took years to get to that point Um, but that was something that I did um, focus on during that time when he was sick was trying to forgive him for things that he did Um, and then he ended up passing away. I tried to stay with everything. And because of my feelings towards God about well, what I thought God was feeling towards me, I just ended up walking away from God because it mm. was just too, it was just too stressful. And so I walked away from God, did not come back until I was around 25. Um, cause when I was about that age, um, I, my life wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. And it wasn't like anything severely bad was happening, but it's like, I had a hard time finding a job, didn't have a car then. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt where you, you were done with college. At this yeah, point, I was done right? at college at this point. So I had graduated, um, from Christian brothers, um, mm-hmm. still had a hard time finding a job didn't have a car. I felt very out of place with my friends, not because they were really mean to me. It was just, I didn't feel like I belonged with them. Like I just felt very, very different with them, but we 
still got along for the most part. And so I was just feeling like something was missing, like something in my life just wasn't right, wasn't missing. Um, and then the thing that kind of turned me around was the fact that one New Year's Eve, like a friend of a friend of mine, we all, friend of mine and a friend of hers, who was also a girl, we went yeah. to a club, you know, started drinking too much. Uh-huh. And basically, you know, I started throwing up. They had to take care of me, take me back to the house, like, you know, uh-huh. clean me up, wash clothes, you know give yeah. me water and medicine by my bedside, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And so I woke up the next morning because that wasn't the first time I had done something like that. That was probably the second time mm-hmm. in a different situation. And so after that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Cause yeah. like, I know, <laughs> uh, cause I had people in my family who were actual alcoholics, like people right. who had a serious addiction to alcohol. And I didn't want to be like that. Not that I was an alcoholic. It was just, yeah. I just had some moments where I really messed up. And so and that then you second, were just like, yeah, oh, I don't want to mess with yeah, this. And so that second moment, I was just like, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore, which I have, and I haven't drunk any alcohol alcohol since that day and that's been Mm. several years that's like six years and so um yeah so I slowly started to get my life together started to change my opinion about certain things and so um or that was around the time where I really started to walk away from all of my friendships Hmm. um which um to be honest at this point in time I do regret that a little bit and with some of them I don't regret it because I feel like it was the right thing to do with one particular one I always wondered if it was the right thing or not because she was a really close friend of mine she had been my friend since I was 10 so it was like she'd been my friend for 15 years at that point and granted she she wasn't a Christian she didn't believe in God she was agnostic and she you know dabbled in witchcraft a little bit Hmm. but um it wasn't like and we still got along really well because we didn't really often have arguments about our different religions because when we, we went to college together our first year and then our second year, she went to a different one. And even during that time, um, I know that she didn't like Christianity at all, but mm. we had little moments where we would have um, disagreements about it. We didn't really argue full on about it, but I think mm-hmm. we got to a point where we just agreed, okay, you have your opinion about this, I have mine, and then it, we can leave that alone. We can focus solely on our friendship and not let that divide us. Um, but because of the kind of persons that she was, not just because of her religious beliefs, because certain lifestyle choices that she made that I really wasn't a big fan of even before I started to give my life back to Christ. Um, you know, I started questioning whether or not I should even still be her friend. And yeah. I prayed about that. And to be honest, I, you know, I wasn't as close to God back then as I was now because I was kind of a new believer. And so my spirit may not have been strengthened enough to really hear what he was saying, but I made the best decision I thought I could have made in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I still have some like a little regrets about that. But yeah. then at the same time, I don't because I feel like that, you know, God's given me a greater blessing with the friendships I've had now. And not only that, but even with that, I remember that our friendship naturally started to drift apart the second I decided to give my life or rededicate my life back to Christ, because right. I remember there were certain conversations that I just wasn't interested in having. And so I didn't, I wouldn't give myself into it or give myself over to it with her anymore. Or we would just ignore it or I would just ignore it. And it got to a point where she was just like, do you ever notice that we don't have anything to talk about anymore? Hmm. And I was just like, yeah, that's kind of true. And then it just got to a point where we just stopped talking. Just kind of drifted apart. Yeah, drifted apart and, you know, stopped talking on the phone. And so at that point in time, I was pretty much like alone. Like I didn't really have Hmm. any friends because I walked away from everything because I honestly felt like I had to because I didn't want to be around anybody who was going to pull me back from God or drag me down. I wanted to be with people who were going to push me ahead. So I just made that very serious sacrifice of just walking away from everyone. And during that time, I started to study the word of God differently. So instead of reading the King James version, I was actually reading other versions like new King James or maybe other, whatever versions may be out there. And so I actually started to understand it better. And I was taking Hmm. notes on everything. Like I have notebooks at home filled up with notes. I was taking on Bible verses and reading commentaries, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, um, 
I got to a point where I realized that I needed to join a church because I still, well, I'm not going to say I still haven't. I joined my grandmother's church, but it really didn't. It was all the way out in Millington. And it was yeah. like, that's like a 45 minute drive. And right. I was like, I'm not going to drive all the way out there, not to mention that I still didn't have a car at that point. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was just kind of like, that's not going to work. And so at some point I ended up joining um, Abundant Grace. Before I joined, I went there just to visit because mm-hmm. nobody there knew me. I didn't know anyone. And I think that I've had a lot of spiritual encounters hmm. with other people and with God since I've joined that church that, that I've never really had very much before. Like the very first day that I visited Abundant Grace Fellowship, I had somebody prophesy to me, which I've never had anybody prophesy to me before. Mm-hmm. And so they were having a con- I think a, a teaching or a sermon on purpose or something like that and they were calling people up to the front and I don't even remember what they were calling people for I just know that I wanted to know my purpose so I just walked up there and there was a woman at the front of the church and um she was talking to me and she said you're gonna have an, basically have an impact on the on the world with writing and prayer. And I thought that was really significant because I really did like to write. Like I used to write a lot when I was mm. growing up. So I wrote poetry a lot, I wrote stories. Um, I actually went to Christian Brothers because I wanted to major. I majored in English for corporate communication because they didn't have like a writing program. So, but I yeah. wanted to write. So it was. I found it highly like, it was just really impressive to me that she knew that I was good at writing, even though she didn't know me and also good at prayer, which I didn't know I was good at prayer until mm. after I started pursuing that. And so I found that very interesting. But then the thing that kind of, and that was your first visit. That yeah, was like the that first was, time you went. Yeah. That was my first time that yeah. I went and I had that experience and I was like, Oh wow. And so, but was a, uh, was abundant grace just closer to where you were living at yeah, the time? It was, it was actually in the neighborhood. It was like right cool. down the street from the neighborhood. So I could literally walk yeah, to didn't the church. Need a car. Yeah. I just literally walked <laughs> down the street. <laughs> and so, but then yeah, the crazy, powerful experience there yeah. first time and then yeah did, did like you mentioned that you had like that feeling of god being like angry at you mm-hmm. or displeased with you did that ever go away it sounds like when this conversion happened again or like or did that stick with you and is that still something that you deal with or um how- i feel like that I've dealt with it better understanding that God actually loves me because I think that's a hard thing for even Christians to understand that God mm-hmm. loves you and actually likes you and that yeah. people getting mad at you doesn't mean that you're cut off. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like it's more of like a discipline and a correction, but it's not a cut off thing. It's like you still have your salvation. You still have the Holy Spirit. So if he gets upset with you, it's not. For necessarily for the sole purpose of punishing is for correcting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so, and I think that that's what I came to understand and came to know is that I'm just correcting you because I love you, not because I'm saying this to you as a way to cut you off. And so it took me a while to understand that. Um, I'm not saying that I understood it right away when I got saved again, but I, what I did learn to do was to stop asking for my salvation over and over again, because <laughs> I finally understood the concept of it was a free gift. Like once you get it, like it can't be taken away from you. So even if you mess up, you're not going to hell. You don't have to keep asking for it back. Um, that was one thing that definitely changed. Um, and then, of course, I think, it, like I said, it took a little time to understand um, those fi- those feelings of conviction, like understanding the importance of it. Um, mm. So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. slightly. Does the like, um, I think a lot of times uh, when you get into church, you find that there's a lot more rules mm-hmm. that then happen as a result of everybody has like different expectations of how you're to live and behave. Um, was that uh, jarring at first or did, was it easy to come into abundant grace and that wasn't an issue at first or I was really, 
I was really excited to join because, you know, at that point I had walked away from all my past friendships. So I was excited to join to yeah. make new friends. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be a lot harder than I thought it was because, um, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way to Abundant Grace because it's just not a reflection of the church. It's just how people just are. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, they would have like kind of cliques, like groups of people that kind of had these cliques and they mm-hmm. would stay in their cliques and they really didn't want, they weren't very good at inviting people in. And so I kind of had these moments when I would first come there where I honestly, and it could have just been in my imagination but I honestly felt like whenever I would sit down on the pew people would just get up and walk away and leave mm-hmm. <laughs> almost like people were like avoiding me because yeah. I was new yeah. and so um, but I know that when I first met Pastor Hunt because I started going to the Bible studies and so I would talk a lot more because I really wanted to share ideas because I had gained up all this information over the past few years of just being by myself reading the Bible taking mm-hmm. notes and studying so I got excited about sharing information and ideas and asking questions and yeah. he really liked that and I know that he wanted me to to stay at the church because I still had not joined. Like it took me a while to join because uh, I had started going there visiting in 2016 and did not join until March of 2017. Yeah. And so I had been going there for several months and I know that he had told me that, you know, he didn't want to lose me, that he wanted me to stay. And so, and even after saying that I still didn't join because I was still trying to figure it out because I had never really mm-hmm. made a big decision about joining a church, yeah. you know, not a serious one. And so it was like, I wanted to think more about it. And I only joined because one of my other members, um, I had went to like this little ministry thing they were having that they were mm-hmm. just inviting everybody to. And then in the middle of the meeting, one of the church members had said, are you a member of the church yet? And I was like, no. And she just went on this whole little speech about how you do like she was like don't you let gotta the, be a member yeah she was like don't let the devil trick you into this whole church hopping thing and you got to be committed and you know blah 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 and I like she you know it was coming from a really good place like I wasn't offended or anything she was just trying to you know help me make a good decision because she's like you can't just like come and visit forever you got to make a decision and yeah. so um I finally made the decision to join but um a lot of interesting things happened after I started attending Abundant Grace like um the the woman that prophesied to me um because right after she did that, what she had mentioned during prayer, because she mentioned that I had a gift for praying, she asked me if I had ever spoken tongues. And I told her no, and I still have not spoken to tongues in the, to this day, just so you know. <laughs> um, but um, I said no, and she just kind of gave me this look like... Like she just stared at me and didn't say anything for like a few seconds. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? Like that really freaked me out. And so I was like, what, what, and I, that's when I had doubts. Cause I, I really didn't know a lot about that then. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was thinking like, was she trying to say, I don't have the Holy spirit. Like, am I not really saved? So mm-hmm. I started questioning that too. Cause you know, um, I had never had somebody ask me that before. And so the crazy thing is, is that I, that kind of bothered me for like a week or two. And so I just, was that the same first time you went? that yeah. you had this experience yeah yeah and so like a couple like a week or two after i had that experience i was feeling kind of like oh like do i actually have the spirit or not like do i not speak in tongues because i don't have the spirit mm-hmm. and so um i went home in the living room and i remember like i, I just kneel i kneeled down and i asked god to give me the holy spirit and then i had the crazy experience i've never had in my entire life i started feeling this presence in the house and it was not a good presence it was bad and I knew it was bad because it made me feel scared it made me feel terrible Mm. and I honestly felt like it was a demonic presence and it's like you know I cannot prove that obviously to anybody and I can't you know you know convince anybody in their faith Mm. or their belief but I honestly felt like it was like a demonic presence because it just did not feel good if it, it felt terrible and it scared me to the point where I literally had to leave the house because I did not feel comfortable I was too scared to Mm. stay in the house and so I would step outside 
And as soon as I stepped outside, the feeling would go away. And as soon as I walked back into the house, I would feel it again. And so I walked back out of the house again. And so I got tired of being scared. I walked into the house. And then all I said was every demonic spirit in this house has to leave in the name of Jesus. And immediately that feeling broke. Hmm. And that was it. And I felt like that from my perspective, from what I was experiencing, I felt like that that was God's way of telling me you already have the Holy Spirit. Like that Hmm. experience of like you being able to do that means that you have the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so that was a really, really interesting experience. And so, um, especially just to happen just a few weeks after, you know, your first time finally going back to a church and deciding whether you want to be a part of it. Yeah. And the funny thing is speaking of knowing that I wanted to be a part. So I joined the church and right. Um, you had the, you had the lady give you the speech <laughs> and you're like, I think she's right. I think I need yeah. to join the church. Well, actually something happened that made me think I wasn't supposed to be a member there. Cause shortly after I joined, um, the church was planning a mission trip to Jamaica. Um, I did not go, but I volunteered to just help them pack because they had this room upstairs where they were packing all the clothes to take up there or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever they were doing. And I really didn't know a lot of people then, but I just volunteered, you know, because I really didn't, you know, I didn't have anything to do and I wanted to be helpful because one of the things I was also excited about was participating in ministry in church. Yeah. And so I just wanted to help. And then um, what happened there um, was that I ended up getting my wallet stolen and I don't exactly know who it was who stole it because all the women wow. had their purses yeah. on the church. And so I looked in my purse, my wallet was completely gone. And so um, the woman who was leading everything, uh, her name was Elise Jones and she felt so bad about it because what happened is that she had invited a, um, someone who wasn't a part of our church in to help. So she mm-hmm. had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. It was just a random person who worked at the car wash down the street. Yeah. She invited him in to come help pack everything and she was like, it had to be him because right. nobody else would have done else it. Here and so that. she was like, I felt so bad about it and she had gave me the cash that she had. It may have been like $60 or something mm-hmm. um, for doing that. Trying to like make up. She's like, yeah, go. Lisa, you have some money. And keep in mind, this happened two days before my birthday that year. Oh, man. And so, um, yeah, so I had told my mom what was going on. She was like pissed about that. She yeah. was like, she blamed me for it. She was like, this is all your fault because you shouldn't have done this and blah, blah, blah. So it was like, mm. uh, that was really upsetting. And so um, I basically just called my bank as soon as it happened and basically put a hold on everything because I couldn't go to the bank because it was the weekend. It happened on a Saturday. So the banks were already closed at that point. And I had to go to the bank on, on Monday, which is my birthday. So, um, on Monday I had to go to, um, um, the bank to basically get everything changed. So get a brand new, brand new car, brand new bank account number. Then I had to go to the DMV and get another license. And I know that sounds really terrible, but actually that ended up being one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Cause like, it was actually really, (laughs) it does not sound like a fun way to spend Yeah. And it actually, it, it turned out really, really well. Um, because I was just really, I had a really great day that day. I did everything I wanted to do. And not only that, but I actually found out that whoever stole the guy who stole my car actually was not able to take any money out. So Mm. even though he had the card, um, he, because I put a hold on it so quickly, he wasn't able to steal anything. And so like nothing got stolen out of my account and basically went and changed everything and everything turned out to be fine. And not only that, but I I ended up having another spiritual encounter because of that, because um, I was praying to God that I would get my wallet back. And so a guy came to our house to drop my wallet off. And it turns out that he was a pastor. So my wallet ended up in the yard of a pastor and his son was, his son was the one who found it and he left his, um, his number and everything. So I called him to thank him. And in the middle of the conversation, he was, I was telling him that, you know, I got my wallet stolen at church, like, thank you. And he was just like, um, in the middle of the conversation, he was like, I just want to let you know that 
like the reason that your wallet got stolen is because the devil is trying to deter you from going there because he knows that's where you're supposed to be and he's trying to stop you from being there. And I would say I'm really thankful that you said that because I was starting to have second thoughts about being a member there because of what happened. And he was like, no, don't do that. He was like, you need to stay there. Hmm. And so I was just like, wow, that was really interesting. Yeah. So I was like, any doubts I had about being there, it was like kind of confirmed right there. So that was like really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the speech didn't work, yeah. but the, uh, but the... <laughs> Near identity theft yeah. and the kind of miraculous way that you got your wallet back was just like a confirmation yeah. for you that you felt like this is where you needed to be. So you became a member there at the church. Yeah. Cause How old were you at this point? Was it maybe a couple of years after that? Um, no, it was actually... I was, I, that was the first year I was a member. So that was in 2017. So I was 2027. 20, yeah. 27, I think. So um, you, you had spent a couple of years at this point. You had mm-hmm. been studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. You had found a... a a version besides the King James yeah. that was a little easier to read. You were taking your notes, reading commentaries. You got involved here at Abundant Grace. It's really, this is great hearing your backstory because it makes so much sense. I can, <laughs> I can just imagine it. I can see you. I can see you being like the the person who has lots of great questions during the Bible studies. And um, I did so, have a question about uh-huh. that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times in the churches I've grown up in, I felt that there has been sort of a fear from women in particular mm-hmm. to ask questions mm-hmm. of uh, people that are teaching. And I've, I'm curious if that was ever an experience that you had or if you just were uh, never ever st- w- like had a fear of asking like someone that was an authority about a biblical question or whatever. Because I've talked to a lot of women in my congregations that uh, really have a hard time mm-hmm voicing their own thoughts mm-hmm. particularly to someone that's usually a male yeah. teaching the class and i'm just curious what your experience with that has been like if that was an issue or not yeah it was an issue because i think that when i first when i first came to the church and um I was actually doing Bible study and voicing my opinions. I do like to ask a lot of questions and I do like to make a lot of comments. I feel like it was received well at first and I don't know what changed over time. I don't know if I did it too much or Hmm. it just wasn't, I I don't know what it was. I can't honestly give an accurate answer, but I think it started to be received less well. Like I noticed that it, it started to come across as annoying, like don't interrupt me when I'm talking kind of thing, that kind of attitude. And um, so I would get a lot of pushback to the point where I was kind of scared to voice my opinion, but I would still do it. I would push past the fear and do it. And I remember, um, you know, I would I would really, really hate that. like hate that feeling of like I really love coming to Bible study, but I hate voicing my opinion because I don't want um, the person teaching to make me feel as if. Like, I don't have a right to ask a question or that yeah. I'm being annoying, especially when I feel like there were other people um, and sometimes not even just other men, but sometimes other women who were asking questions, maybe because they were older than me and I was younger. And so maybe it was received well because they were an elder. Um And so I remember the thing that kind of encouraged me about it was that on one of the young women who was at our church, who was also um, a recognized prophet at our church, she came out to me and she was like, you know, one of the things that I really like about you is that like, you know, when you're talking in Bible study, even if you get, you know, shot down or whatever, I'm paraphrasing this, but even when you get shot down, it's basically like you keep coming back and you keep doing it over and over again. So it's like, even if you don't, even if what you're saying isn't getting received, well, you will still come back and you'll still keep talking. And she was like, you are really tenacious. And I really appreciate that and I was like thank you yeah yeah. and so yeah I definitely experienced that and you know I do think that sometimes What what do you think gives you the courage I guess to do that 
Um, I guess because I just know that that's who I am. Like I'm very curious about information from the Bible. I'm, yeah. I have mm-hmm. a love for sharing ideas and I feel like that that shouldn't have to be stifled for yeah. anybody. And I just yeah. feel like that I shouldn't allow somebody else to make, not make me feel afraid. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, if that's who I am and as long as I'm not hurting anybody or hurting myself and I'm doing something that is completely innocent. Cause I feel like sometimes it's not so much that the person is doing something offensive. It's just the other person's perception of it. Yeah. Or maybe they just, you know, like to put people in their place, keep certain women in their place or mm-hmm. keep certain individuals in their place. And I felt like that, you know, I feel like that I should have the, the right to exchange ideas in a place where, that's basically yeah. allowed you know it's like if we're if everybody else if we're coming here to exchange ideas and information everybody should be allowed to do that and i i shouldn't be any any different you know and yeah. so it was yeah. so yeah you were just you were genuinely curious you genuinely yeah. wanted to know the answer you wanted to know about the scriptures you wanted to actually know and so you're like no you don't you can't tell me what to say i was like i want to <laughs> i want to know i want to ask this question yeah and i i think that's good i i uh uh, like Noah was saying, he's talked to other women before who have felt shut down in churches and stuff like that. And I know um, that it is encouraging sometimes to have that role model they can look up to of somebody mm-hmm. that's like, you're not going to shut me up. I'm going to keep yeah. asking questions. And, um, you know, I've called you our, our fan favorite here on the podcast. I've had several people who listen to the podcast. They're like, I love Ashley. She's Aww. so great. And I'll, I'll say uh, almost all of those comments have come from women that listen to the podcast because they've really appreciated your perspective. And I think that that sort of um, uh, courage that you have to speak your mind and to ask good questions Um and it, I think that's part of why we've loved having you on because you, you, you yeah. are a good role model for women in that way. Oh, thank and you. I, and I will drive another question on that point because I do feel like a lot of people are very intimidated, especially women, when they come to the Bible because mm-hmm. it is really hard to understand, I feel like, for yeah. a lot of people, not just women, but men too. And uh, I've noticed that you have uh, grasped a lot of the biblical concepts a lot easier than I've seen a lot of people grasp them. And I'm curious, was that always part of your journey or was it really uh, hard to grasp some of those principles early on and you just had a tenacity to want to keep trying to figure it out? Or what was your growth with learning about the Bible, particularly just in that context where it is kind of confusing when you first start to read it? What, What did that look like, I guess? Um, when I first started to do it, like when I was 14, like I said, it no, it was, I didn't understand anything I was reading. Mm-hmm. I've been reading King James Version. It was like, thou shall not do this and thou whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what this is saying. And I don't know if maybe my grandmother telling me this kind of helped with that. But I know my grandmother told me a long time ago, like before you start reading the Bible, you ask God to give you understanding. And mm-hmm. so um, I didn't do that. The I think I made it did it one, once or twice the first time around, but I wasn't consistent about it. And I think the second time around, I somehow discovered like other versions of the Bible. I don't even remember how I discovered that. But I know one thing that I did differently was that I started reading a lot of commentaries, which I know some people have different opinions about that. They say don't read commentaries, just let the Bible explain itself. And I have mixed feelings about that. I think you can use discernment with commentaries. Like it doesn't have to be the end all be all just because somebody else says that you kind of use discernment between it is what this person 
saying? Is their interpretation actually lining up with the word of God? So I would read a lot of commentaries. And I think with me just goes back to asking a lot of questions. Like if I was ever confused about anything, just go to Google. Like, what does this verse mean? And read different commentaries about it and that kind of stuff. And so I would take notes on everything. And I know statistically they say that writing things down helps you remember things better. Hmm. And so I would like write things down, like in notebooks, like, like if I was confused about a verse or wanted to take a note about something like, you know, verse 15 of chapter four said this, and like, this is what this means. And so I would like take a lot of notes. So it was like, I was actually studying it and not just reading it. And so I feel like that helped a lot. And I feel like just not, I guess asking myself certain questions, like not holding back with certain questions, like just allowing my curiosity, curiosity to just reign and just go with it. Like, and I think that comes from asking questions because the more questions you ask, the more answers you can get. Um, so I think that's what it started. It was just like doing a lot of reading and studying on commentaries and taking notes mm. on things and keeping notebooks yeah. and stuff. You're like, keep a list of yeah. the things you don't understand. Come back to them as you find more mm-hmm. answers. Did that's really cool. Where did you get, like, did you just have physical commentaries available to you at your house no um, it was just solely online i didn't have any commentaries at all at the house we didn't have any bibles that explained the book like we had we didn't have any books to explain the bible we just had the bibles themselves and so i just had to use google that was usually my only source i did not actually start getting books to help explain the bible till i started joining the young adult ministry i think that was the first time i ever did it and you know garrett who recommends a lot of books to me started having us read books and stuff and then i came here and got more so it was mainly just commentaries online yeah so some i've heard from some people that have tried to do that and uh they feel very overwhelmed by the internet because there's Mm -hmm. so many different opinions about Mm -hmm. the bible online you know and commentaries too there's so many different interpretations of what the Bible is saying. What what was helpful for you in figuring out which commentary is right about this, what's wrong, which commentary is wrong about this, and what, what was sort of like a guiding star through that process where you felt like uh, this isn't... Because even sometimes when I read it, I feel like, man, there's just so many different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever know the truth. Uh, what, what, was, what gives you that kind of confidence to know it I guess uh, or believe it uh, and believe a specific person's opinion on it I guess when I first started about it I didn't even think about being discerning about it I just kind of read it and I'm like okay that must that seems right let's just do this so I just didn't even question it and I feel like that as I started to mature in my faith the way that I started doing it was looking at consistencies in information like Mm -hmm. if I was reading something and I saw consistent ideas or opinions. I'm like, well, maybe that's more more true than maybe that has a tendency to be more accurate. If if, yeah. some, if there was an, a, an opinion that was like varying, like if there was like no one consistent opinion and it was mm-hmm. like three different uh, ideas and I wouldn't ever write down which one I believed, which I, whatever I personally believed to be the one that was most accurate according to what the Bible was trying to say. So that was just personal perception with that. So I would just try to do that. And I'm very detailed. Like I'm, I'm very like willing to read all of it like anything that I'm willing to read just I I will read multiple articles like take notes on different things and organize that information because that's just the kind of person that I am yeah um but I guess that's just how I would do it was just find consistencies in information because I feel like that would be more accurate if there were consistent ideas and theories and anything that wasn't consistent or ideal I would just judge by the Holy Spirit so Mm. I like that the yeah I like what you said especially too about the importance of um discernment Mm -hmm. and 
using them as a resource because I also grew up with a context where it was like, don't ever read commentaries, just mm-hmm. read the Bible, let it explain itself. Um, but you know, those are the same people that would like listen to sermons mm-hmm. and watch a whole bunch of sermons. And I would just be like, I don't think that I see commentaries or sermons as that different. <laughs> it's just kind of this one person's opinion. And I think any good preacher would tell you, I don't want you to just blindly accept whatever I'm saying, like right. uh, have some discernment with it. And I think that that's the same with commentaries too. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that we had at our, our church. And you know, like I said, again, this is nothing against abundant grace fellowship. It's just, you know, people are in general. And I think it's also how maybe older people are, especially from a traditional point of view is that, um, you know, God gives us the Holy Spirit for a reason. Like he gives us the ability to think for ourselves, to search things out for ourselves, because I always I've tried, I've gotten into the habit of always consulting God first before I consult anybody else, hmm. um, because, you know, people can easily lead you astray, not because they want to, because they can genuinely think they're telling you the right thing. But people have flesh. We have to battle against our flesh every day and somebody can think they're telling you the right thing, but it could be wrong. Hmm. And we had this conversation in Bible study once and I was completely alone in this opinion, which I don't think is an opinion. I think it's a fact, but um, he asked a question about, you know, if God told you to do something, but your pastor told you to do something different, which one would you listen to? And everybody who majority of the people there were elders or all of them were elders. They were like, oh yeah, I would listen to the pastor. I'm definitely going to do what the pastor tells me to do. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, (laughs) you know, because you know, God is my God. My pastor is a pastor and granted he is a man of God and we respect that. Like I respect that, but you know, at the end of the day, every, anybody can be wrong about anything, including myself. And so it's, it's, you have to use, you know, it's like, well, who are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the pastor or are you worshiping the God that you're serving? And so my thing is like, it's not my pastor's job to tell me everything I'm supposed to do. Like, it's not my job to call mm-hmm. him on the phone and say, what am I doing about this? What do yeah. I do about my finances? <laughs> what do I do about my relationship? Cause like, he's going to get sick of hearing from me one. <laughs> and then two, it's like, it's not his job to do that. That's why God gave me the Holy spirit. So I consult mm-hmm. God first above everything else. And then if, you know, if God is urging me to listen to someone else and I'll do that, but I'm not going to choose another person's word, no matter what their title is over God's word. That's just what I believe to be right. So, yeah, you know, no, that's, uh, Reminds me a lot of the first, uh, um, the disciples. I know one of the first challenges they had was all the Jewish leaders trying to tell them, don't talk about this Jesus guy anymore. And there's this famous verse in the book of Acts where they say, we're going to do what God tells us to do, not what men tell us to do. And that's really important. That's really good. So you briefly mentioned that you, um, you had, you, you did finally start to get connected a little bit more at Abundant Grace. Mm-hmm. And was that through the Young Adults Ministry? Yeah, it was. Um, Garrett had actually came up to me because he was the one who was leading it, even though he doesn't really like titles and like to be yeah. called the leader of it. Um, he came up to me and he just in- invited me to speak with him after church. And he talked about the Young Adult Ministry he was forming and he wanted more people to be added to it. And so that was kind of how I got started. And honestly, I feel like one of my biggest challenges at Abundant Grace has been learning how to um, work together with people that I don't always get along with, you mm-hmm. know, or may, or, and that could be the opposite side, you know, people who don't always get along with me because you're working with different people who have different beliefs, different back, back backgrounds. And, and I think being a part of the young adult ministry, you have, you know, different people who have different lifestyles, different opinions. And, you know, there are some people in our group like myself who have very, 
very strong opinions. We're not afraid to vocalize it and that can create arguments easily, hmm. yeah. you know? And so, and I think um, there's certain people that were easier for me to get along with than others, just being honest. And so yeah. I've had to push past that and learn how to, you know, it's like, are you going to, and it's, it's not easy to do. It's a hard thing to do, but it's just kind of like, are you going to let, you know, what happened between you and this person stop you from doing ministry together? Are you going to let what happened between you and this person stop you from being the kind of person God is calling you to be? Because we have to be forgiving, you know, and just like people have to forgive me and we have to learn how to get along and push past differences. And, you know, that was something that was definitely, you know, challenging because I know that, you know, there may have been times where I, I irritated them and where they irritated me. So, you know, so. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the problem, I would say. I've just with any church I've ever noticed mm-hmm. is like the issue with churches is the people. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's uh, so many people involved. And when you have people involved, you're going to have differences of personalities, differences mm-hmm. of opinions and conflicts that come about um, because of it. So it sounds like that was part of the challenge you had oh, as yeah. you were getting involved with them. But even despite those challenges, you still started really feeling like you could connect and yeah finally so I finally started feeling like I could finally make some friends and actually form relationships so that felt you know really good and um you know sometimes you find out you have more in common with people than you think you do once time goes on right and um you know even with you know the elders in the church because I know we were talking about this you know um before the podcast started but you know sometimes I've had moments where you know women at my my church have made me feel as if you know I wasn't dressing the way they wanted me to dress because you know they you know because I'm honestly not like wearing a whole lot of dresses high heels makeup kind of person like I feel more comfortable in jeans and t-shirts that's just how I am and so you know sometimes they'll make little comments about it like oh like I had this one woman tell me she was like oh you look really comfortable today and I was just like okay and I was like okay I know what that means okay yeah Yeah. and so it was just kind of like you know comments like that that you have to get past you know um Mm -hmm. certain things you know about my appearance uh my hair even because I didn't do my hair the way that they liked and it's sort of learning how to push past that and see myself through the eyes of God and not through the eyes of people. And, you know, understanding that even if they were wrong for saying what they're saying, that like, you know, I'm beautiful according to God, not to according to somebody else's standards or especially their old fashioned standards of what they feel like a woman should be. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. At the, um, the common thread I'm noticing, which is interesting here, you talked about it first starting with your with your dad and mm-hmm. um, even with some of your friends and it sounds like even with people in your church mm-hmm. uh, I um, you've been talking a lot about the importance of forgiving people mm-hmm. and being like it's good to you know like I, I don't know I think you're wrong but <laughs> but I can forgive you for that you know mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold a grudge against you because of that and and, and do it because of the importance of maintaining that relationship with them and continuing to have that community mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's been a common thread that you've been seeing? Come oh, up over yeah, and over definitely. Again? Um, even in my family, because I do, I have like, um, because we have some visitors that come to our church. Um, we haven't had them recently because of COVID, but I know that our mm-hmm. pastor used to invite a lot of visitors to speak in our church. And um, he um, basically was prophesying to me and said, yeah, God's going to use you to change your family because there's a lot of, you know, dysfunctional <laughs> relationships in our family, um, including the one between me and my brother. I know that... Um, even after the whole situation with my dad, I know that my brother and I did not have the best relationship. Mm-hmm. And a part of that had to do with my dad because, you know, with my dad being the way that he was being so ill-tempered and mean, um, we both had different responses to that. My brother's response was basically to act out 
You know, yeah. and my response was, I'm just going to do everything the best way I can so he won't bother me and he'll leave me alone. And mm-hmm. that was kind of my response. So I was better behaved. So I got, even though we were both punished, I was punished less because yeah. I tried to be on my best behavior. And I think he always felt like I was treated better or I was loved better or liked better. And so mm-hmm. there was tension in our relationship because of that. And granted, also, there were certain things that happened between us that had nothing to do with my dad, certain things that I did to him or certain things he did to me. And I remember I was praying about our relationship one day and I was asking God to basically fix it or mend it. And he was like, well, you do something, you go fix it. And so (laughs) it was like, okay. So I invited my brother out to lunch one day and basically just apologized to him for things that, you know, that I did Mm -hmm. on my behalf, whether it was intentional or unintentional, you know? And so it didn't fix everything, but I mean, it's, it kind of made things a little better. Um, You know, there's still more that we have to work on with that, but you know, it, it made it better that I admitted that I was wrong about something, apologize. The the humility it takes for that first, take that first step and Mm. try to mend a relationship is, is, is um, important. And no, I like that a lot. That's something, something we've talked about in sermons at Wayfarers. Uh, I remember we, this one particular passage that keeps coming up over and over again is in uh, Jesus's preaching in the Sermon on the Mount about if you're going into the temple to give a mm-hmm. gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, uh, Jesus says, leave your gift right there right. and go and be reconciled to your brother, then come back and, and mm-hmm. give your gift at the altar. And, um, uh, Joey, our worship leader here at the church, has written a whole song based on mm-hmm. that passage, which has really been impacting me a lot of just realizing that, you know, this is the, the, the Jewish temple where yeah. they were coming to worship God. And it's important enough to God that we be on good terms with the people around us mm-hmm. um, before he wants us to worship him and give some right. gift and yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And so the relationship we have with each other is, is incredibly important. I have heard kind of jump off of that. I have heard a lot of people in the communities I've been in that have felt that, uh, churches have a lot of people in them that are difficult to get along with. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've had experience with that. And these people have made a decision that I don't think you have, which I'm curious the difference between, which is they have decided that because people are difficult and this church is difficult, I don't really want to be a part of this, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, they'll throw around the term toxic or mm-hmm. those types of words. And uh, I'm curious why why your story is different, I guess. Like what 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 made you stick it out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's well, the blunt way to put it. Well, I guess because I know the experience of like cutting people off because I thought they were toxic because, you know, it's just like I walked away from all of my, my friendships at one point mm-hmm. because I felt like, you know, they're not where, you know, they're not where they should be spiritually or, you know, I don't want them to hold me back from anything. And it wasn't until I got to abundant grace that I started to have a different attitude about how, like, you know, you can't always cut people off just because they're not the way that you want them to be. They're not Mm -hmm. the way that they should be according to God, because you never know when you're going to need those people. And not only that, but you never know if you could be the change in that person's life. Like, you know, maybe if you had stayed in that person's life, maybe you could have changed them in some way and things would be different, but you know, you'll never know because you cut them off. And so I guess, just understanding that that's just a part of relationships. Like you're never going to get along 24 seven with anybody you're with, no matter who it is, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a family member, like it's, that's just a part of relationships. And I feel like that sometimes you may have to cut people off if they're, 
if they're hurting you in some way and they don't have any care and concern and you can't reconcile with them, like if you tried to reconcile mm-hmm. with them and they're just impossible to reconcile with, then maybe you do need to cut them off. And at that point, it's just like, I have to love you at a distance. But I think that cutting people off is not always the best way to solve everything because, you know, if that's the case and you're just going to end up cutting everybody off and being alone all the time. (laughs) So it's just like you have to learn how to forgive other people, just like people have to learn how to forgive you because you're not always perfect. And there's certain things that you do to to annoy other people, but they still put up with you and love you for it. And so it's like reciprocate, you know, reciprocate that to other people. Like when people show you forgiveness and mercy, you show that to other people And, and just understanding that, you know, I think sometimes I just learned how to attack the problem spiritually, just pray about it. And then, you know, I've had moments even where some people in my young adult ministry group, like one young lady in particular who asked me to go out for coffee, which I'm like, we had not had the best relationship. And she just asked me to go one day. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't tell her like, I'm not going to go with you because we don't get along. I'm like, (laughs) if she's willing to sit down with me and talk, then, you know, why am I going to hold that against her or, or cut her off because of that? If, you know, so it's just kind of, you know, it's just not a smart thing to do. It's not a mature thing to do. You know, I feel like the, the mature thing to do is just try to reconcile and try to make it work if all possible. If not, then yes, let it go. But if so, then, you know. Right. But I do feel like just to push on that a little bit, uh, I, I do feel like some people would say that, like, if someone's like making comments about my hair, for instance, or making comments about my outfits or something, this isn't an environment that I want to be in. You know, I yeah. just feel like people would say that and I feel like they would leave uh, that church <laughs> to yeah, go to a different church over that i've met people that have done that so i'm just curious why you know because i i me personally i don't disagree with that like I, I can't really tell that person i feel like that's uh an invalid reason for you leaving mm-hmm. um me personally i'm not saying but i'm just curious why is that different for you i don't know i don't I don't know. I don't know if I'm just more resilient or just, Mm -hmm. or I just get over things quickly. I don't know because it's just, I don't really, those people who are criticizing me, I don't have relationships. I don't have real relationships with Mm. them. It was like people that said something to me in a moment and they don't really know who I am. It was kind of like, I saw you wearing something I didn't like. I wanted to comment on it, but I don't have a relationship with you. So I guess the way I look at it is that I don't really have to deal with you because we don't have a relationship. We attend the same church and we may sit on the same pew, but we don't go out to lunch together. We don't go to the movie. So it's like, I don't have to deal with you. So because I don't have to deal with you, I just have to deal with my feelings about that comment you made. Right. And so I choose to deal with my feelings about that comment instead of dealing with you, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Now, if I had a relationship with you and you said that to me, that would be different. Mm. <laughs> you know, that would be a little different. Um, so I guess it's just my perspective on like, if somebody feels that way about me, I don't necessarily have to have a relationship with you. That doesn't mean that I disconnect love from you. I just yeah. don't, I don't choose to let you into my life in that way. You know? mm. I get that. Yeah, I like, um, as often happens, I feel like on these podcasts, each one of these topics, I feel like we could do a whole uh, episode on, and that one's an interesting one. We'll have to follow that away, because I want to talk about that a little bit more. Um, The, Because I I do appreciate your um, willingness to to forgive people. One thing you said earlier when you were first answering Noah's question that I really liked is you said... um, you remembered how you had cut people off before Mm -hmm. in your life and you, you were, um, 
not so sure if that was the right decision and you've allowed that sort of learning from your own experiences to inform in the future what you do now and i think there's a lot of wisdom in that a lot of wisdom in being like um learning from the past and 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 even if it's the right thing you thought back then yeah now you're like i don't know if that's the right thing i think i still want to keep some of these people in my life given the benefit of the doubt realize i've been i've messed up too i've been forgiven of stuff too and Mm so i want to keep them in my life so we're finishing we're about ready to finish up here we just got a few minutes um like you said, you're, you're detail oriented. You like taking notes. So if you're watching the video feed here, you can probably see Ashley's uh, yeah. uh, notebook here where she was able to write down a lot of things she wanted to make sure she hit on. And is the there... funny thing is, is that I didn't even look at any of this. Yeah, yeah. I was. I noticed that too. You did great. Uh, you were just like, I think you were hitting a lot of it maybe just naturally. But I want to give you a chance before we finish up here. Is there anything... Um, anything you wrote down, anything you want to make sure you hit on uh, before we finish up uh, with the podcast tonight? Let me see. I think I probably touched on every point. A lot of the major points? Yeah. I like it. Um, I don't know. I think the only thing that I would say about my spiritual journey that I didn't mention was just the opportunities that I've been given. Like, I never taught a Bible study before until I um joined agf and i really appreciate my pastor giving me that opportunity because i had no Mm -hmm. idea that i even had a gift for that and granted the first time i did it i kind of sucked at it to be honest (laughs) because i i was doing a teaching on john 17 and it wasn't my choice topic my pastor was doing a teaching on john and he just picked that topic for me and i didn't really do a very good job as i could have but i feel like after that i learned things from that mistake and just gotten better with it Mm -hmm. and so i'm thankful for the opportunities i've had to do that the opportunities i've had to lead prayer at my church um, Mm because i've never done that before um you know just certain things i've been inspired to do um opportunities to be on this podcast because i was connected to certain people Mm -hmm. at you know agf like garrett um you know the fact that i was encouraged by god to lead a prayer prayer line with my family during COVID. so that Hmm. was like eight months granted not not as many of them got on as they should Hmm. um you know so that's something that you know we got to work on but you know it's just like yeah there's i guess thankful for those opportunities yeah it's like i've never participated in ministry because i'm thankful for the opportunities i've had to exercise my gifts because there's a lot of people that have gifts and they're not they don't exercise it out of their own personal choice or they just don't have opportunities. And so I'm thankful that I, that God gave me the courage and the willingness to do certain things. Cause I've had to push past certain fear to do a lot of things since I've started my walk with God. So, yeah, yeah. I like that. No, that's great. Cause yeah, I do. Uh, you know, your pastor hunt gave you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. We've talked about before, probably not on this podcast, but I know in the last few weeks we've been talking a lot about one of the issues that a lot of churches is that people, uh, church leaders don't give people a chance mm-hmm. to try things yeah. and it might be awful. Like you said, your first teaching, probably not that great, but, uh, you know, you got to give people a chance to try it, even if they're bad at first and really, uh, get to use those gifts that God has given them and kind of see where it goes from there. So I think I'll end on that encouragement maybe for anybody listening or anybody watching. Um, I hope that, uh, hearing a little bit about Ashley's story maybe has encouraged you. Um, I love the, the, like, boldness, strength, courage, resilience she's had in so many of these situations um, to, to kind of push for opportunities. But mm-hmm. I, I like that you ended there by saying, too, that you are thankful for the other people who have mm-hmm. given you those opportunities as well. So if you're watching this and maybe you're encouraged by her story and wondering about yourself, how mm-hmm. to um, 
kind of used maybe some of the gifts that God has given you, I would encourage you. That, that That's probably a good thing to end with, mm-hmm. leave, leave you thinking about that. What are the gifts that God has given you in your life? What are some opportunities you might have to use it a little bit more? And if you don't feel like anyone's giving you the opportunity, mm-hmm. one thing I especially love about your story is you've been talking all throughout about the importance of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, uh, that's probably one of the best things you can do. If not the best thing you can do, maybe start praying, pray that God would give you the opportunities to use those gifts. And I think you would be surprised at how many chances he gives you to do that. Um, just act that on courage because sometimes it's a little scary, but you got to do it. (laughs) So thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, thank you to all of you who have been listening or watching, uh, this episode. Um, we hope to see any of you, uh, in person here, uh, with us at, at Wayfarers. If you want to join us, we meet on Sundays on the campus of Mid-South Christian College, 3097 Knight Road. We meet at 7 p.m. So you can sleep in. It's not a Sunday morning thing like a lot of other churches, but you know, come, come in the evening, come hang out with us. We would love to see all of you there. Otherwise, we will just see you next week for our Deep Dive Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That actually sounded better than I thought it would.